Welcome into episode 39 of the Level Flight Podcast. My name is Connor Rabchak. Shortly, you're going to hear from Brian as well. And on today's episode, we talked about the free agency market and who's available and who the Jets should target. It was a really fun episode. But before we get into it, uh, we just want to update you guys on what our content is going to look like over the next few weeks. For example, you're going to hear a Blake Wheeler's Best Moments with the Jets podcast come out in the next month or so. That is the type of content that we're looking to do. You know, this content that doesn't really have a clock on it and we can post it whenever, that really helps us, um, especially through the dead air portion of the offseason. Like, it's a really dead time for news, but we don't just want to take a break altogether because we see the support we're getting and June was a great month and July is going great so far, so we don't want to stop altogether. Um, But in the meantime, we're going to film some content ideas like that. We're going to try and get some familiar names, some interviews on the podcast, maybe some local beat reporters, maybe even thinking bigger than that. Um, We will keep you up to date, obviously, but in the meantime, you know, just taking it easy with the content ideas, shifting to some more fun ideas, some, some stuff that isn't pressing for time because we're busy and there's not a lot to talk about right now, but we don't want to stop. So in the meantime... Uh, here is some content that has a clock on it because any of these guys could get signed at any moment. But here's Brian and I to talk about the free agency market and who the Jets should target. Enjoy. You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And welcome into another episode of, we don't know which episode this is, but I've got Brian with me here again, um, and we're here to discuss another topic. Brian, how are you doing? Good. Uh, I should have changed my hat so people didn't know that we recorded yeah. these episodes on the same day. I'm in the exact same spot if you're on YouTube. I'm still outside. The wind is kind of picking up a little bit, um, but I think I should be okay. Well, as long well, as the, the funniest bugs part away. about this is it's very likely that this episode that we're recording now comes out before the one that we recorded before this so my comment about me wearing the same hat is going to be way funnier when that second episode comes out and that could be in a month i don't know i have no idea you shouldn't have said anything and then just let people figure it out or even if they didn't well it probably would have been far enough in between that no one would have noticed true yeah well either way we are back um still here here to discuss the remaining ufas because there are some that would be valuable to the Jets. We were just talking before we before we started recording. There are some that could fill some holes. Now, the defense core is as as it stands today. Today is July 15th. It is still the exact same, the defense core. You've still got Morrissey, DeMello, Dylan Pionk, Sandberg Schmidt, um, and Capobianco and Stanley, I guess, as your extras, or Hanala, Chisholm, whatever. Um, so... In terms of UFAs, we're not really going to be looking at defensemen much. Do you? Would you agree with that, Brian? There's not really many holes yeah. to fill there per se, unless they moved one. Then obviously you'd look at that market. But that would be a whole as, other episode, <laughs> right? Exactly. 
Um, but no, I feel but like no, forwards no. are mainly the ones to take a uh, sort of a flyer on right now. Yeah, I agree. And some of the biggest names on the market are forwards. Um, like obviously the Jets aren't going to be signing Patrick Kane or Vladimir Tarasenko. Um, but there are some names that could fill some middle six holes, some bottom six holes. And that's what we're here to discuss. Um, yeah. Some forwards. So let's uh, let's get into it. We'll start with UFAs and then we'll talk a little bit later at the end about how the lineup currently shakes out and where we think the holes actually are in the lineup um, and whether or not we think, you know, is this forward court better um, if they sign someone, you know, how that changes things. But I'll throw it to you first. What are what, what's a name that you're looking at on the UFA market as could be a value to the Jets? Um, I'm going to start a little bit sort of. I mean, I'm not going to say obscure, but I'm going to say you're looking at middle six guys that you can find value in because mm-hmm. uh, we were talking before we, uh, you know, started recording. Um, one of the biggest issues last year was if someone got hurt in the top six, the default I'm going to move this guy up was either Mason Appleton or Sam Gagne, and it just didn't didn't work. Yeah. So it worked be... sometimes, but like, it was very hit or miss. But it was yeah, it was yeah. Um, but there's certain guys that I think you could like slot and even on like a third line that might be able to provide some offense um, at the risk of stepping on your toes here. Cause I know you mentioned it early on before we started recording. I think Thomas Tatar yeah. would be terrific. Um, he had 20 goals last season, 48 points in 82 games. Uh, yeah. And having a tw- another 20 goal scorer would be, phenomenal because what I, i'm actually sure I, I was he hurt at the end of last season because i am kind of shocked that he's not signed yet yeah i mean the thing is with thomas Tatar is his market value is always kind of like perceived higher than like he his analytics are fantastic if you look at his evolving hockey card which <laughs> while while you keep talking about him i might go find it and pull it up for our youtube audience but his evolving hockey card is ridiculous like no yeah. one on the jets has a has a card that looks like that it his analytics are tremendous um which may perceive his market value higher than i mean he scored 20 goals last year though so yeah i i don't know he yeah. must have been hurt or something um because it really doesn't make sense why he's unsigned even in a flat cap world where see, you can sign him to a one-year deal i don't i don't see why what i'm curious about actually is is he not signed because of that or is he not signed because he wants to stay with jersey because he sees where they're going Mm -hmm. but he can't work out a contract with them yet because i mean he was making you know four and a half last year yeah um so you it's tough for a team like jersey who's really building up now to you know have a you know four and a half million dollar see if you're on youtube a lot of purple which is a very good thing yeah. Um, and also great work on the power play too. So uh, I'm not sure if one, he would be interested in playing here um, or two, uh, if uh, the rule that would probably be set out for him, which would be middle six, um, you know, if it's that's something he'd be interested in, because I'll be honest, I'd want to play in Jersey right now because it looks like they're going to be cup favorites for the next, you know, three years. Um, yeah. But no, like, having a tw- another 20 goal scorer because as much as people can talk about certain issues that plague the jets and effort and everything, the biggest issue I found down the stretch was when they needed to, they couldn't score. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of guys who could pass. We overpassed all the time, but if you can add a 20 goal score, um, I think you should really try and do it because, you know, being able to pick up a 20 goal score this late in, you know, 
the off season. I say late because if you're if you're scoring twenty and you're decent enough, you're probably signed in the first two days of free agency. Yeah. And let's be real, the other twenty goal scorers in this UFA class are not either an option, shouldn't be an option, or will not sign anywhere else other than Boston. And I'm talking about yeah. Patrice Bergeron. Um because yeah. you got Bergeron, Kane, and Parisi. Uh Bergeron will not sign anywhere other than Boston if he doesn't retire. Kane, I wouldn't first of all wouldn't really want because uh the surgeries and he yeah, he's coming off another surgery. Year. Yeah. Um no. and I mean to be honest, you know, personality wise either, it's just not something I want to introduce into a young locker room. Yeah. Um, I found it hilarious. Just on Kane quickly. Yeah. I think it was Saravali or he tweeted it. I don't know if it was his article. Um, but someone mentioned that Kane will be out the first month or two or a couple months of the season, but he could be like a dynamic game changer for a contending team late in the year. I'm like, did you not watch? Like, yeah, it's Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane is amazing. He has like maybe he comes career. back from this injury and look, maybe he was playing with it last year and you know yes, that's maybe, why he yeah. looked as bad. But he's 34. And he looked awful. If you yeah. watch the playoffs with the Rangers and the Devils, he looked awful. He was a liability on the ice. He couldn't move. Like there was the whole the trade deadline. It was like, oh, Patrick Kane doesn't look great with the Blackhawks, but maybe he'll be extra motivated if he gets traded to a contender to go win a cup, right? Got traded to the Rangers, nothing changed. So again, like you said, I don't know if it was the injuries or what it was, but it's not I something I'd not, want to take a risk. I on. would not. Absolutely and not. Let's be real. I as much as first of all, I'm still shocked and amazed that a 38 year old Zach Parisi had 21 goals last year. Yeah. Um, but I'm also not at all suggesting that anyone should sign a 38 year old Zach Parisi expecting to get 20 goals out of him again. Exactly. Um, I will say though, like, I guess good on him and good on the Islanders for getting that value at uh, league, like league minimum. Yeah, he's still getting that major buyout money from the wild. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then you look and then there's Tatar fourth highest goals in the remaining players. And you got, yeah, you know, Tarasenko's there. He's not coming here. Um, Krejci, once again, too. uh, yeah, Krejci, he's going to either be in Boston or retired. Um, yeah. we're going to get into the Taves talk in a bit. So I'm going to not touch on that. Yeah. An interesting name that I'd actually look at. I'm I'm not suggesting this because I feel like he's past his prime and he's 35, but you know, maybe at a very low contract, I would consider looking at a Mr. Phil Kessel. Phil oh, the had, thrill. He had 14 goals still last year. Like this thing, he still, he still got some scoring touch. He had 36 points, yeah. which is almost a half point a game in what he played. Um, he, he only like, that's the thing you would average, tw you know, 12 minutes of ice time. So he's not playing that top role anymore. Right. He still put up 14 goals. And I mean, I'm not, I don't think that's the option. I think that's maybe no. you get to the season. You want a veteran to bring in rather than bring in those, uh, strange lower part grinder guys that we did for several years there. Um, mm. you know, maybe a 35 year old Kessel on a team that is maybe going to make the playoffs. I mean, overall, I think we'll get into this. I think we're yeah. about at the same level of talent, but the deployment really, really matters this year. But Very before much I go so. any further into that, you go wild in what you have to say. <laughs> I mean, on Phil Kessel, finishing talent matters and not just in the top six, right? Yeah. So you bring in Phil Kessel, you play him in the bottom six, and he provides a scoring boost, and that's that. And like you said, for a low-cost contract, that could totally work. 
Um, I can see him taking like league minimum at this point. But yeah, I think I mean, it also would be the cup. with a team that he. Uh, I think he wants. To, he probably wants another cup too. If he doesn't yeah. retire, to be honest with you, like it wouldn't shock me if he yeah. hangs it up. Like he just won his you know third cup. He's thirty five. Yeah, I mean his Iron Man streak was broken. So That's the thing. So what what does he have to play for anymore? No. Wow. Um, I'm kidding. He's, he'd, he'd be a, he would be a great. <laughs> yeah, we're going way too far here. Um. No, okay. I I do have some names here. Um Paul Stastny. Paul Stastny. Round three. No, I'm kidding. I mean for I mean, a cheap fourth line role, I wouldn't mind it, but I, I wasn't really being serious with that with that comment. Um yeah. All right. So uh, you know, there's various different sports going on uh you know but mm-hmm. right now you got things you know like the mlb you got different things that you can you know check out on DraftKings sportsbook so new customers download the DraftKings sportsbook app and use code thpn just bet five dollars to score 150 dollars in bonus bonus bets instantly that's code thpn only at DraftKings sportsbook if you have a gambling problem please call 1-800-GAMBLER in massachusetts Call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Hill, uh, Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. All games uh, are regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In partnership with the Hollywood Casino and Charles uh, Charlestown Races in Connecticut, help is available uh, for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets uh, expire seven days after uh, uh, issuance. Um, one boost per eligible game, opt-in required uh, for uh, 100% boost. Uh, eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Pia Suter is a name that we talked about at the trade deadline. He had 14 goals last year. Uh, penalty killing specialist center. Um, taking the load off of Adam Lowry as third line center is something that I can get behind. And Pia Suter would do that. Now, if you really believe in Rasmus Kapari as fourth line center, then don't go out and get Pia Suter because that would stunt his development. Um, I don't know where Kapari's development is at right now because he's already 23. But if you don't want to, you know, hinder that in any way, then you would stray away. But then again, Pia Suter could still be a valuable player in your bottom six, not at center. He could play wing uh, and penalty kill, right? It's depth, and you need depth. Um, Danton Heinen is another, like, talented, skilled player that you could play in your bottom six. Um I'm looking at some names here. Tyler Mott is a good four checker. Uh, he's been around the league as he is a fourth line player. I remember the year he got traded to, he's gotten traded to New York two deadlines in a row, right? Um, yeah. I think the first time he was known as like the best fourth line player on the market. And that's yeah, he's a hell of a thing. A bit, but... That's a hell of a thing to be known as. But yeah, um, yeah he has fallen off a bit. He's 28. Um, there's Josh Bailey was just bought out 25 points in 64 games. Nick Ritchie, 26 points in 74 games, big player. I mean, if you're, if you're going for the, the big thing uh, in the bottom six, which they might be with Lowry, Niederreiter, 
uh, Baron, Kapari. These are all bigger, taller players. Add Nick Ritchie, you know, fully lean into it, be a physical team, um, or add some balance, like we said, uh, with Pia Suter, Phil Kessel, some penalty killers, some finishing talent. Uh, but yeah, Thomas Tatar, I think I'm going to go yeah. back to that. I can't get over that evolving hockey card. Yeah, that guy is just the ultimate middle sixer. And like you said, he's the perfect third wheel on a top line if someone were to get hurt, right? Yeah. If Ehlers goes do down it. for half the season again, you bring him up and he'll he'll be at a 20-goal pace on the top yeah. line, right? Um, but yeah. then you and have, he, like, you're looking at that on. lineup now. And as I said, we're going to get into this more. Reasonably, you're getting 20 from Nino. He's scored 20 almost every season now. Right. You're getting you're getting 20 from Shifley and Connor. If you know if he's gonna be healthy all year, you're getting 20 from Ehlers. Mm-hmm. You Velarde. bring in. Uh, I I think you're. I, I that's the thing. If he stays, I'm still very curious on the level of where he jumped last year. Yeah. Um. If that development curve continues, that's 20. Um, Easily, yeah. And then anything else is a bonus. But if you can add another twenty goal scorer, yeah. Suddenly, like even like like hypothetically, like you could be one of those teams that just like Seattle last year. I was just about to say, suddenly you're the Seattle Kraken if you add another twenty goal scorer. And they outscored all of their problems. Yeah. So they had four scoring lines. Yeah, four scoring lines. And they went to the Western Conference Finals because of it. Like, I, that's the thing. I'm I'm kind of frustrated he went as early. I was hoping the Jets could somehow swoop in and grab Daniel Sprong because yeah. all he did was score goals and he can you know play, uh, you know, on your penalty kill. He plays on power play. He uh, yeah. would play uh, in in your bottom six. He could move up if need be. Um, but no, uh, I think two that, million too. I think it was one yeah. year, two million to Detroit. Like that's a steal for that one year. Granted, no one's saying Absolutely. that he's going to keep that pace of goal because he had never scored at that rate before in his career. But even right. if they get half of that, that's a great sign. Still a value. Still a value. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I I, I was going to bring up the Seattle Kraken because when you look at the line construction as currently projected, we'll say, by daily faceoff, um, not only is the third line the best we've seen in a long time, but the top six, you know, it's a little top heavy. Uh, the fourth line is also very good. Like, if you're on YouTube, you'll you'll see the lines here. I'll read them out just for for those listening on on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever. Which, this is um, just I'm assuming based on past deployment and speculation from Daily Faceoff. Yes. Um. So it could look drastically different if if no other moves are made. It, it will look drastically I think different. It will. But yeah, I think it will look drastically different. But this is what they're projecting it as. First line, Connor Shifley, Ehlers. Second line, Perfetti, Nemesikov, Velarde. Third line, Ayafalo, Lowry, Niederreiter. Fourth line, Baron, Kapari, Appleton. Um, so, again, we can talk about, like, line deployment and all that stuff. Um, yeah. I'm sure it'll look a lot different. Perfetti and Velarde are both going to get looks at center, um, which is why most of the names he's brought up have been wingers. But, yeah. Like you said, Nino, you're getting 20 goals out of. Wow, the wind is really picking up. I just, I um, heard that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's going to start you're getting, on you. Yeah. Nino, you're getting 20 goals out of. Um, Ayafalo, you're getting 15 to 20. Um, 
Velarde, he hit 20 last year. Perfetti, if he stays healthy the whole year, will be, again, in that 15-20 range with a boatload of assists. And then the entire top line, they stay healthy, you're getting 20. Um, and if Barron takes a step forward, Appleton's better in a fourth-line role, Kapari takes a small step forward, like, this is very Seattle Kraken-esque. Yeah. Um, where you just have four lines that are rolling and it could really pay off. Now, we don't know if Mark Scheifele is even going to start the year with the Jets. Never mind. Yeah, that, that would drive into the, things. Like, we talked about the playoffs with the Kraken. Like, if Mark Scheifele, if the Jets make the playoffs next, next year, I don't think Mark Scheifele will be a part of that team. Like, I, unless they extend him, which I wouldn't rule out at this point. I, I haven't heard anything on the Mark Scheifele situation, but. Anyways, he's the top line center right now. Let's just say that. And then if they traded Hellebuck uh, and got another forward prospect back or a forward that could play right now, um, like a Dawson Mercer or something from New Jersey or whoever, uh, that would add to this lineup even further. And if you look at Seattle, you don't need an elite goalie if you have if you can just outscore your problems, right? Yeah. Like they had Martin Jones and Philip Grubauer who were spotty in the regular season Grubauer turned it on uh in the playoffs a little bit but those four scoring lines like teams just can't match up with that plain and simple like usually teams that they go up against like Colorado Colorado's bottom six is not good their top that like McKinnon Rantanen uh McCarr Taves when they're the, the first line that's out there is great but when you get into the bottom six like your your third line's getting dominated by Seattle's yeah. right and that's that was kind of the difference in the series um so it's it's definitely a way to build a team and it might be the way to build a team going forward um like in the past five years we've seen the NHL you know you get these star players and stuff but we might be seeing a change to like even Vegas to an extent you could yeah. say their third and fourth lines were second lines on other teams right like the depth is necessary and it's something the Jets haven't had in three, four years since 2017, 18, to be honest. Yeah. Um, like that's arguably the best third line we've seen since that, since that era. So, yeah, I don't know if you have anything else on the, the Seattle esque forward combinations there. Um, but no, I mean, my main takeaway is Perfetti and Velarde are going to get looks at center. And they if have one of those of guys wingers. takes off, then suddenly, um, you know, a couple of complimentary wingers and then bang. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know. We'll see because right now they have Nemesikov as 2C. Uh, I don't yeah. think it'll start the season that way. I mean, he played okay in that role last year, but Perfetti, I think, needs a little bit more offense from that. Yeah. I think you got to give Perfetti a look at center simply because he's gotten hurt. He's gotten hurt twice on the wing. And yeah. I think that's that's got to uh, that's got to change. Something's got to change. Yeah. Um, I'll let you. Are there any other names that you're you're looking at on the UFA sheet? I'll let you take it away here, but um, yeah, I mean, unless you not, have lineup construction comments, not not yet. Um, no, and then in terms of other names, like there's, you're looking bottom barrel value picks now. So, I mean, I would I would be curious. This is not something that I'm saying would be a solution to any problems. In fact, it might even create more of a question in you know the lower half. But a guy like Noah Gregor who was in San Jose. He's only 24. Um, yeah. He had 10 goals last season uh, in uh, in 77 games, or, or 57 games. So fairly decent, you know, production right there. Uh, but 
you need guys that you can find at a value that, as we said, can move up. Um, and maybe a 24 year old Noah Gregor could be something. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. We're at that point now where, especially if you lose Shifley and Hellebuck, you're, you are in a rebuild, whether you want to be or not. Right. Um, without Hellebuck, unless you sign ridiculously, you know, high scoring guys to really outscore. Cause that's the thing. I feel like, uh, I mean, we don't necessarily have the makeup right now of a team that could survive without Hellebuck, especially with that defensive group. Um, yeah, but I, I think that when you're likely headed towards a rebuild at the very least a retool, you take flyers on guys who have been good for, uh, you know, a year or two, um, in hopes that they actually take off. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. because like, you always sign it to like a, a one year deal just to see what goes on. But I mean, he was, he wasn't qualified by the sharks and he would, you know, was only at 950 K. So it's, yeah. it's not going to hurt your cap. Yeah. And this is when the jets should feast in free agency. Like, after the main deals have gone down because the the big name guys who are signing on day one they're not coming to winnipeg right they're getting big money elsewhere um and that's just that's just the truth like these these players aren't coming to winnipeg but the players that are still lurking around in mid to late july and are like theoretically don't have really any offers that's when you should be swooping in and taking a flyer on a player like noah gregor right uh you brought up the defense core and I know we said at the start that it's unchanged right now and it's kind of pointless to bring up a defenseman unless they were to move one. But if they were to move one, there is a name that is on the market that did not receive a qualifying offer that actually interests me. He's interested in me for a while now because his analytics have always been kind of solid. Um, when he was in Edmonton, he kind of got ran out because of something that happened against the Jets, actually. Um, but Ethan Bear. He had that yeah. brutal turnover against the Jets, and they just basically traded him away to Vancouver after that. But he has always killed it in a sheltered role, and his analytics kind of dipped off a bit when he moved up. Um, but playing with Quinn Hughes last year, he was fine. And if you sign him to – again, he wasn't qualified. So well, if you sign him to a cheaper – Carolina for a bit there too, right? Right, yeah. Um, right, yes, they went to Carolina, then Vancouver. Um, but if you play him in a sheltered role in the third line, he could really be a value at the price that you're going to get him at. Because again, yeah. wasn't qualified, still here in mid to late July. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I uh, on a similar sort of thread, also a guy who at one point played for Edmonton, um, brother of Seth Jones, uh, Caleb Jones, who actually, I there mean, you know. he played more in this last year and was quite good. Um, I, I thought that he handled the fact that he was playing on just a horrific team, uh, fairly yeah. well. And, you know, yeah. he played 19 minutes a night. Um, he's not flashy by any means, no, but he's just solid. I mean, that's kind of what yeah. you need. Um, but like, yeah, he, uh, he's one of those guys where I think that you've kind of got what you're going to get out of him. But if you actually keep getting that for at least a couple more seasons, that's value for you. Yeah. And him, uh, for YouTube audience, his evolving hockey card here, if you're posting these kind of numbers on Chicago, yeah, you're going to be posting better numbers somewhere else. That is, that's the, the main takeaway from that. Um, but yeah, like you said, 
great value. Again, he's here in mid to late July. Uh, won't be too, too expensive. But something's got to give on the defense court because as it looks right now, the Jets are going to go into next year with the exact same defense court. Yep. And we haven't heard anything. We, no, like we've and... heard rumblings with Hellebuck and Shifley, but we haven't heard anything. When Closest it comes we to got the was court. the rumor that uh, Philly was willing to take on Schmidt in a Sandheim right. deal, but only if the Jets included their 18th overall, um, which they weren't doing. And that's the only thing yeah. we've heard of. But we're looking to go into another year where decent young defensemen are going to get blocked out by guys who are older and probably not as effective. Um, and this is now how many years in a row where we've had that. And I just, I feel like uh, the more we do this and so- suddenly we're going to be like, Oh, these guys are leaving or we're not going to qualify them because we didn't see anything out of them. Right. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's frustrating yeah. because this was the time to actually make the move to move at least one person out. And it didn't happen. Yeah. And if you talk about Travis Sandheim, like how many left defensemen can the Jets acquire? I'm so yeah. glad they didn't do that deal because I, I was in on Travis Sandheim. I think in a better situation, he's a prime bounce back candidate. Yeah. But for the price they were asking for Schmidt and pick 18, no, that that's not valuable. Um, We talked about holes in the forward core. Arguably the biggest hole on the Jets roster is a top line right D. Yeah. Now Dylan DeMello's filled that role. Um, but at three million, I don't really like he's 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 done well in that role. He's good for Morrissey. But yes. then you've got Pionk, then you've got Schmidt down the lineup. Uh I think someone has got to get pushed out there and a right D's got to slot in next to Morrissey. I think yeah. that's that's the biggest hole on the roster right now. Either that or second line center. Yeah, because I, I truly uh, I think that Nemesnikov profiles better as a bottom six guy because he's yeah. mostly defense. Um, he added a little bit of offense last year when he actually got traded here, but um, it was a matter of, I think, who he was playing with, and I just don't I, I don't see it working for a full season. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it... Uh, like, honestly, too, like it, it's hard to talk about deployment at this point in the summer when, as we said, yeah. some massive move could shake everything up. So, in training camp, like, just throw a name out there Chaz Lucius could surprise everyone at a training camp and win the second yeah. line center role. Like, you just don't know, right? Um, but there are names out there that we, we've talked about forward and D. Now, the D, again, unrealistic unless they move someone out. The forwards a little more realistic, especially the names we brought up. If you're going for that Kraken esque four lines, four scoring line uh, model of team building, yeah. But then again, this could all change in a week. Shifley yeah. could be gone. Hellebuck could be gone. Hellebuck could be gone, and they bring in someone with the return from Hellebuck, right? Yeah. Now, given the return for Alex DeBrinket, I don't think I would trade Shifley and Hellebuck right now. That was an extremely underwhelming return for a bona fide top six forward um, who they immediately signed to a almost $8 million a year, four year yeah. contract. Um, I, I just, if that's the market, I don't think Shifley's commanding that much No, uh, in return. Cause to bring it scores, scores goals. He scored 41, I think two years ago 
uh, kind of dipped off a bit in Ottawa last year. His analytics didn't, but his finishing did. No, he, he was just, it unlucky. was a lot of un- unlucky, you know, plays and yeah. everything. So, but Shifley just hasn't really, you know, like established that reputation because he scored 42 goals last year, but the market doesn't seem to be like a plenty for Mark Shifley. Yeah. It seems like we have to, we, <laughs> it seems like the Jets have to drum up interest for Mark Shifley. Yet he scored 42 goals last year. It just doesn't really make sense. Yeah. So do you agree? I agree. Like, like you, it's, you, you'd keep it's, them at the market value? It yeah. sucks, though, because I, I think the best thing for the Jets would have been to, you know, move them uh, yeah. in the offseason because suddenly you, if, if you get to, let's say somehow they're actually competitive this year, right? Mm-hmm. And... You, you get to that point near the deadline and if you're competitive enough, you're not going to move them. And then suddenly they, they walk. Boom. Gone. See nothing. ya. Hellbuck goes to New Jersey for nothing. Yeah. Which so, is, it's, 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 it's an interesting it's dilemma. Tough. It's another, it's a whole nother episode to be honest. Um, because whether or not the jets trade Hellbuck and Shafley before the season starts to save themselves from that, because I asked the question on Twitter the other day whether or not the forward core that we brought up just a, cu- a couple seconds ago is better or worse than the one that the Jets iced last year. And yeah. the resounding consensus was that it's an upgrade. So if Dylan Sandberg takes another step forward and the forward core is better and you still have Connor Hellebuck, what's stopping the Jets from being a playoff team in 2022 or 2023? Sorry. Yeah. Right? Like, and then. If you're at the trade deadline and the Jets are second in the central, let's say, um, because after the trade deadline or right around the trade deadline is when they started to tail off last year. If they're second in the central and you keep these players and then the Jets tail off again, like there's so many scenarios in where that they could go wrong. Um, And it's just they, they honestly, if they were moving them now, it would be to save themselves from keeping them. Because yeah. if they're first or second in the central at the trade deadline, they're not trading Hellebuck or Chifley. I can so, tell you. Yeah, that right that's the thing too. Like, if you put aside what the return is going to be, like mm-hmm. it could be totally underwhelming for both of them. Uh, at some point or another, you gotta pull the trigger on something, because as you said, you're risking losing them for nothing. And let's be real, if Shifley, I could see regardless, because I feel like. The market for him is strange, but it if is. you lose Hellebuck, Connor Hellebuck, who has been a top three goalie in the league for the last five years, um, if you lose him for nothing, I don't, I don't know what what the plan is there. The fact that the Jets have to drum up interest for a center who put up well, forty two goals last year and a goalie who was a Vesna finalist is ridiculous. Like the fact that there's no market is mind boggling to me. Well, the biggest thing for the Hellebuck thing though is that he wants extension top goalie money for an extension right. and no one's willing to pay it at this moment as a rental though he should still garner a pretty good return 100 percent. but i feel like right now trying to find a team that wants to actually sign him is great but yeah, i think we've reached a point now where it's now deadline is your next yeah 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 well and i don't know like this could all change because a deal could totally come out of left field in the next month uh before training camp starts but Every day we go by where it's just silent and there's no news on it, it just feels less and less likely that it's going to happen before training yeah. camp. And then if they start training camp with these players, 
Um, I mean, Patrick Laine was traded, what, three or four games into the season? Yeah. Um, after Dubois and that whole debacle happened. But I don't I don't know if that could happen with Hellbuck. I mean, that totally could. Ten games into the season, um, Audrey Vasilevsky gets hurt or something, and Tampa Bay's like, screw it. I'm not wasting a year with this that core. That should be disallowed. <laughs> Tampa Bay is like, I'm not wasting another year with this course. Screw it. I'm going to trade for Hellbuck as a rental. Boom. <laughs> um, like, that's just a random scenario. But, like, that could totally happen. Um, yeah. But I just don't think they should wait till the trade deadline. Because, personally, I think the Jets are better right now than they were last year. So, if they're better, and they are better at the trade deadline, Kevin Sheveldayoff, I don't think, has it in him to move Hellebuck and Shifley. No, they've, they've totally... They've been backed into a corner here, and I have no idea what happens. Like, I know that Chevy typically is fairly decent at moving himself out of things that have backed him into a corner. This one, I don't know how he does it. I don't know either. I can't wait for the episode when we're like, how did he do it? Because how did he he do it? Or having a full on rant episode as they both walk into free agency. Exactly. Oh, that would be fun. That would be fun. No, but the DeBoss situation, I mean, he was backed into a corner there completely walked out of it unscathed like like we said the jets are better right now than they were last year right um so he he does fare well in those situations actually another situation where he should fare well which the jets haven't really in years past is what we discussed at the top which was free agents and it's mid to late july these guys are without a contract there's value on the market the jets have cap space i yep. think they have eight and a half million with velarde baron Kapari and Stanley, I think, as RFAs off the top of my head. I believe uh as of July 15th, that is the consensus um yeah. there with, with the cap space. I don't think you'll need eight and a half million to re-sign those guys. Like Baron, maybe a million, Kapari, maybe a million, Vlardi three, four for one yeah. year. That leaves you with three million to play with. I mean, there's room, there's room to add, and the Jets should. Now, if they move a defenseman, like we said, with one of those high-paying contracts, and they have even more cap space to sign a Caleb Jones or Ethan Bear, um, yep. there's a lot of scenarios. There's also the the scenario, which we've seen all too many times, where the Jets don't make any trades, sign these players to market value um, for one-year deals, prove it deals, and just go into next season with the exact same roster that we have right now. And yep. then, what happens with Shifley and Hellebuck? Then I don't know. Because when the Jets are first in the Central after two months, like they were last year, I don't think they're going to want to move Hellebuck. Nope. And I don't. I also don't think Hellebuck's been around long enough with the Jets organization. If they're first, people will say, "Well, if they're first, Hellebuck will just want to extend and stay." I think Hellebuck's I... been around with the team long enough to know, yeah, that it's not a sustainable level of success, no. uh, finishing like seventh or eighth every year. Um, so when they're first in the Central and they go to Hellebuck and say, "Hey," look, we're good now. Want to extend? He'll go, no, 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 this won't last. And then when they finish seventh and are bouncing the first round and Hellbuck walks for nothing, there's a lot of scenarios. And that that is one of them. And it is scary. It is scary to think about, to say the least. I don't know how a free agency discussion turned into a full-on doomsday Hellbuck walking for nothing discussion. I think we should end the episode before we start, you know, yeah uh get getting too far down the rabbit hole here and getting really really upset yeah i mean that's what the offseason is for it's just rambling about random topics so yeah 
Here we yeah. are. I, I feel like we've we've gone through what we sort of need to, or the guys that we want to talk about. Um, obviously, we'll revisit if something happens or certain guys come off. But unless you've yeah. got anything else to, no. I think I think that'll wrap it for here. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to see because these guys could go into you know the next month or two without a contract and this episode remains relevant for that long, or it could change within a week span. So who knows? Yeah. And this episode that we're recording as you're listening to it is probably going to come out before the one we just recorded earlier today, which was Blake Wheeler's best moments with the jets. Keep an eye out. for um, that. So keep an eye out for that. Yes. Because that'll probably come out after this episode, which we're recording after the Blake Wheeler one, but yeah, that's going to come out early as possible. Because again, like you said, one of these players could get signed right now. Whenever if I open up Twitter, Thomas Tatar could be signed with the Winnipeg Jets. No, I'm kidding. And this and this whole episode could be um, nullified because these players are signed. But I'm going to try and get it out as quickly as possible so that it's still relevant. Um, in the summer, like we said um, earlier, we're looking to do some interviews, uh, looking to do some content that doesn't have a clock on it so that you know when we're busy in the summer, um, we don't have to commit to recording every week because yeah. we're in that dead it's air tough. portion of the offseason. It's tough to talk about things, right? Um, you can only talk about the doomsday Hellebuck situation so many times before you start repeating yourself. Um, but no, I, I think we wrapped that up pretty well. Keep an eye out because we're, we're trying to lock in some interviews, um, trying to get some people on the podcast, trying to grow. Um, June was a great month. July is off to an even better start than June. Yeah. We're um, tracking so to have our biggest month ever. So <laughs> I said in June, we had our biggest month ever and we're carrying that momentum. Keep it through, going. So let's keep it rolling. Um, yeah, thank you to everyone who tunes in every single week. It's it's truly a pleasure for us to record. We've been we really recording here, it. sitting here for like two hours, and I feel great. I could go for another two hours. Let's let's keep it rolling. Listen, if I didn't I have mean, to go to work, I would. Yeah. Um. No, it's it's a blast recording, and it would not obviously be possible without the listeners. So, uh, yeah. we we have some big things in store, hopefully for the next couple months, and we hope you enjoy it. But for the time being, um, I think we can skedaddle on out of here yeah uh you know <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed that let us know once again if we missed anything i feel like every episode we have to quantify that because we always seem to forget something so let us well, know there's, if there's, always, you're there's interested always something in. on twitter like i'll post a clip or something and someone will comment like, well what about this how did you not talk about this and it's like, like oh, all right you're, you're so <laughs> right you're so right but yeah. yeah anyways um yeah all right i think that's that's all from us thank you for listening um Summer sports are still rolling. Gold eyes are rolling. Big home stand. Sea bears are rolling. Bombers play in like two hours, three hours yeah. here today. Um, so I'm I'm ready for that game. But yeah, gold eyes are rolling. One, three of their last four. Yep. Come out to the ballpark. It's been some beautiful weather. Absolutely. 20, 21 degrees and sunny is the peak weather. Come out to the ballpark and enjoy it. That's that's my take. That's my final take of this episode. I, I echo that because we would love that. Yep. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, let's get out of here. I'll say go right. Blue Bombers. Let's go Gold Eyes as always. Absolutely. See you, folks. You've been listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. 